Well, good morning, everybody. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we turn to Isaiah chapter 25. I'm going to read the first nine verses of that chapter. After we shall pray, and you may be seated. Hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 25, reading from verse 1 through 9. Lord, you are my God, and I will exalt you and praise your name, for in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things. Things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong people will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall. And like the heat of the desert, you silence the uproar of foreigners. As heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud, so the song of the ruthless is stilled. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace From all the earth, the Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The word of the Lord. Father, this morning, we thank you for the gift of your word that is timely in every season of life. We ask now in these moments that you would grant us the grace with which to hear that which you say to us through your word and affirm it through the presence of your spirit amongst us. May we not only receive information, but may our lives indeed be transformed by that which we hear so that we may better serve you, better love you, better love our world, and better serve our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. From a very young age, children, as we saw them this morning, develop an incredible capacity for or ability for imagination. The ability to imagine a world uh, that with time, I think, becomes less accessible to us grown-ups who are told somehow that we do not peddle in imagination, we peddle in reality. (laughs) But some of us could remember when we were little what it was like to transform that new refrigerator box into a rocket ship. Or to turn our closet into some secret entrance into another world. It seems to me, though, That as we get older, we lose the capacity for imagination because somehow our world would say to us that imagination is child's play. Now, the truth be told is that many of us haven't quite grown up yet. We haven't had our imagination stifled or limited or beat out of us with the realities of our world. 
I know this to be true because whenever Ruthann gets a new book, I haven't spoken about my wife in a long time, and there's been great peace and unity in my home. But whenever she gets a new book, whether it's fiction, she doesn't read romance, sometimes historical fiction, there is this, this, this incredible joy that wells up inside of her. This anticipation that she will be ushered into a reality that is not her present reality within the world. Many of you who love to read know that books can provide this escape from the reality that we live in. For some of us who are not book addicts, I'm not saying she is, but for some of us who don't read as much, we're more visual people, I know that this is true of you too, because you can't wait to start that next series that you're going to binge watch on Netflix. We know that the movie industry sells us this concept, this idea that there is an alternative reality that we can enter. We, 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 we know this to be true. Irrespective of how old we get, there's this deep need within humanity, dare I say this, to escape perhaps or to be transported perhaps into a reality that is not true in our present life. I want to suggest to you this morning that what motivates us to travel What generates a lot of our endeavors today towards entertainment, what creates escapes for us, speaks to a deep need within all of humanity to experience that which we long for, but somehow seems to be distant from our present circumstances. Dare I say to you today that books will not go out of fashion, neither will movies, neither will creative people, because we need artists to give us a window into a reality that our present reality does not afford us. In fact... I would suggest to you that things become true only as it begins with our capacity to imagine that it can be. Now some of you sitting here, you're really uncomfortable, especially if you're pragmatistic people. Especially if you're a person that's not creative or artistic, you're thinking, Stu, are you peddling in imagination? Imagination and Christianity, how on earth do they go together? Give me real, you know, substantial, tangible truth that I can build my faith on. Let me suggest to you, I'm not speaking about fairy tales, but I, in fact, want to suggest to you that the only way to understand much of what the Old Testament speaks of is to recognize that when God calls prophets to speak a word, he is calling them to speak a word that is not yet true but a word that is true. In fact, there's an Old Testament uh, scholar, his name is Walter Brueggemann. He, he wrote a book called The Prophetic Imagination. Anybody heard of that book? You are deeply spiritual people if you have. And the rest of you have some climbing in the saint ladder to make, so take out the book. I'm going to do a poor synopsis of what Brueggemann suggests, but here's what Brueggemann tells us. He says that when Egypt was enslaved, when uh, Israel was enslaved to Egypt, When they were slaves to the tyranny of a pharaoh, God called, albeit a reluctant Moses, to be a prophet amongst them that would lead the people into a future that they could not possibly fathom, but that God had in mind. That in fact, the prophetic imagination is one that invites us to foresee something that is essentially true, but essentially not perceived amongst us. I want to suggest to you this morning, and I'm going to be brief. I hope I can. I think you can speak for hours on the subject. But I want to suggest to you that if you ought to study Isaiah, which, by the way, is a hard book to get acquainted with. 
different contexts and histories, different time periods, potentially multiple authors. But in this opening section within which Isaiah chapter 25 is found, there's a sense in which the the picture has been painted of a grim reality. The southern kingdom of the people of God, Judah, are becoming dominated. They're becoming kind of the vassal, the powerless in this world in which they live. Assyria is the great power, the imperial power. There is no sense in which what is spoken of in Isaiah is true of the people of Judah's experience in the present. There's no truth to the idea that the poor are being protected or that there is a feast, a banquet that invites all peoples to have the richest of foods, get this, the best of aged wine, and to be in comfort sitting at the feet of the God who prepares a banquet for them in no other place than Mount Zion itself. Some historians tell us at the writing of Isaiah that Assyria was marching on Jerusalem, this message, this prophetic vision in Isaiah 25 is a reality that escapes the people in their present day. And if we listen very carefully, we hear ourselves respond the way Judah would respond. I'd like to believe it's true, but everything around me says that it's not. But throughout history, Christians have learned to see what others do not see. Prophets of God have painted a reality that may escape the observation of the predominant culture, but to those attuned to the God who is able to do immeasurably more. Those who are tuned to the God who is able to bring out of brokenness wholeness, redemption out of failure, forgiveness where there has been judgment. The God who is able to do that which no one else can do, those get a look into a world that is true, yet not true for many. And so, this morning, I want to stir our imagination. I want us to ask ourselves the question, what is it that we see? What does our world look like? For most of us, when I start with what the world looks like, we lose interest because our world matters first and primary. It's true for all of us. So let me ask you a more personal question. What does your world feel like? Is it a world that you imagine would be different? Could it be different? Is there an immeasurable amount of discontent with your reality? Is there a hope that something different could happen? Or if you've lived long enough, are you in the place where you're saying to yourself, "Ah, I wish that things could be different, but I'm old enough to realize that perhaps never will be. And I suggest to you this morning that the word of God offers us a word of hope because it defines for us a means of entering into the story of God in such a way that not only strengthens our faith, but gives us the ability to live out faithfully what God has called us to amidst all that we see is wrong. You see, the prophet Isaiah speaks a word at a time when such a word seemed laughable. And I ask you today, That perhaps in your circumstance of life, you may say to yourselves, I don't know if my reality could be any different. Or if you are one of those Christians who 
who desire for the world to be restored, but all you see from social media down to mainstream media, all you see is the negativity that defines the reality. Brokenness, hurt, poverty, abuse, loneliness, anger, disease. And you sit here and you say, Stu, I'd, I'd like to believe the vision of Isaiah 25 can be a reality in the present. I would suggest to you that Isaiah gives us as the Christian church today a vision not of what could be, but a vision of what will be for those of us who place our faith and hope in a God as the prophet does, who he believes ultimately holds all things together. You see, I think Isaiah recognized when he stood in the temple. Do you remember that? Woe is me, a man of unclean lips amongst the people of unclean lips. In that moment that his vision, his way of thinking was limited in comparison to that which God can do. And why is it so true, though, that for us as Christians, we have limited the capacity of this great God to our abilities, our faculties, and our reason, to our observations of what life is and can be? But Isaiah invites a vision of a God who not only overcomes the tyrant amongst us, and those who abuse us the weak, but a vision of God so powerful that tyrants are transformed into worshipers, that the poor are protected, that the world is put aright, that those who have been far off are brought in, that no longer are there divisions, but in fact at this great banquet feast which requires a prophetic imagination that for some of us feels strange, that can lead and guide the church in this present day to have hope amidst all that is wrong. You know, I, I get this sense. Are you still with me? Just say amen for a moment. I'm on London time, so... This may all come crashing down very quickly. I have the suspicion that, that, that if we don't, as the church, start to grapple with the vision of God in the way that he sees the world, that many of us are going to lose hope, faith, and commitment. In fact, there's many churches that build this philosophy now, and I think they do it inadvertently, that, you know, that, 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 that the world's just going to hell in a handbasket, and all we can do is hold on. And hopefully that salvation plane flies by and we, we make it on. Maybe, maybe our aeroplane points will get us on that flight. There's many a church that paints a picture that the world is more powerful than the world that is described in Isaiah. There's many of us who have believed this, and so our theology, our faith, our Christianity is one of fear. It is one of suspicion. It's one not of hope, not one of security in what God can do, but it is, in fact, a very feeble faith. It lacks an imagination, and we are stifled as Christian church to do the creative things of God. Do you know that the church was at the forefront of creativity many years ago? 
That many of the great institutions of our day we see today are institutions that were started by those who believe that God has enabled the church to have an imagination, a, a, a sense of purpose that was grander than themselves. There is a sense today that that history has been thwarted. People don't remember where it all began, but it began by a people who caught a vision of Isaiah. A world renewed. A world in which we are not afraid. A world not defined by a theology of fear and exclusion, but a world in which things are put right. A world of hope. I suggest to us as the church this morning that we need artists amongst us that can paint for us a picture that at first may seem like a fairy tale, but the more we lean into it in faith, the more we realize that it becomes true. Because of the God we serve. Can I pause for a moment? I know this is a very different message. I like to keep you guessing. As a pastor, I observe the trend, the secularization trend in our world. I see that the church seems to be losing its footing, its grip, if you will. We know that at some part in our history, the church, because of the actions of one particular man enjoyed the favor of power in the world. We, we had power once as a church. We, we were aligned with power, and so we felt we had power. And Now that we don't have power, many of us don't know what it means to be the church. But let me suggest to you today that the power that comes from those who believe that the God Isaiah describes, who is able, who is faithful, who is good, is a power far greater than political power. You don't believe that, see, because you would have said amen, no matter how Canadian you are. Is a power far greater than what we see in this world. And when we in faith live this way, we change it. What would it look like, Mo? I know that, that your heart is singing right now, right? How do I know that? Because you're an artist. Um, what would it look like if our church develops the creative capacity to think of new ways of being the church? Powerful ways of representing the age-old message that does not change, that Christ has died and is risen again, and we have hope. What would it look like if we removed the shackles that tells us it can't be different and had a vision for our Christian faith that goes beyond what we have settled for? What would it look like I think Isaiah answers it. It would be a vision of a world renewed. A world in which things are made right and the only response we will have to this great God who does so is to worship him. You know, as a kid, imagination transported me to different places. It's a wonderful gift to give our kids the freedom to dream. And I know we all start to beat that out of them when their dreams have consequences. <laughs> like in adolescence. <laughs> if 
where we say, dream, but don't dream that dream. (laughs) But what would it look like in the church today if you felt empowered, if I felt empowered to live into something far greater than we've settled for? You see, I have to be honest with you that most of what I preach, I preach to myself. For when I look around me, I can get really depressed real quick. And all God's people said. But what I've needed, and what this church needed, and what Christians needed throughout history, is the eyes to see what God sees, and what God says is possible and true. Do you know what happens when Communities of faith. I know I'm not preaching on the text, but I kind of am. <laughs> Do you know what happens when communities of faith embrace such a reality? Is they make a difference. You need to hear me say today that I pray that we would be such a church I would love for the Holy Spirit to unsettle us in this good way. That we would not only be dreamers, but participators in the work of God's kingdom in this community. That we would become this kind of church that brings heaven to earth. Don't stop having an imagination. Don't stop learning and listening. Don't stop allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and move you. Don't, because it's just not been done before, settle for what is. Don't limit what God can do. Pray. Listen. Allow the stirring of the Spirit to bring forth that which is put within you. Allow our faith to become alive in profound ways that that stretches us and challenges us, that we may find ourselves in places that we are afraid of sometimes, yet we know that if He has created such desire and has led us, that He will bring us through. What would it look like no matter our age? To have such a faith. Less control. (laughs) Less certainty. But transformation. Power. And change. The Lord invites us this morning through the prophetic word from Isaiah to believe. that much more is possible than we've settled for. I invite you to bow your heads with me this morning and to consider how the Spirit may be inviting an imagination in your own life for what God can do. Maybe you sit amongst us and you say, I have a deep desire to serve God, but Stu, I don't don't see what that looks like because I don't see myself doing what you're doing. (laughs) 
And I don't see myself going to Africa, deep, darkest Africa, as a missionary. By the way, I get very offended when people give that testimony. I prayed that God would make, you know, I said yes to his missionary call. I said, don't send me to Africa. And then he did. Really? (laughs) God did great things in Africa. But I want to ask you this morning, is there perhaps some of us who are are settling for a less than creative prophetic life because we have settled for a life that has been given to us that we've said this is about it. And yet what God is inviting us into is not grander, it's not bigger just for our sake, it's inviting us into something that brings glory to his name, something that requires men and women, boys and girls, to have faith. May you hear from your pastor this morning that you must dream the dreams of the kingdom of God. May you hear from me today that you must have a deep faith to believe that even though it escapes your mind's eye, that in God there is a hope that is greater than the world is telling us there is. May you believe today that victory is certain, God's people, because God in Christ has overcome Satan's sin and death. May we believe again the hope that there's a banquet feast prepared for us. Where those who are hungry will be fed. Where those who are thirsty will be satisfied. This God is able to do immeasurably more than we think or even imagine. Let us pray. Father, only your spirit can stir our hearts towards your will. And only your power can bring about a kingdom of restoration, healing, and justice in our world. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done. In us today we pray. Amen.